And I'm going to keep it 100% faithful. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening worldwide. You are listening to the hottest team, Rebel Nation Squad, and me, the most hype OFC hype man, Sledge, live from Debt 4, University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Got a spot. You know where it is. All up in your detachment. Yeah, it's a good detachment, too. So I want to talk to you guys about appreciation and being appreciative of the things you have in life, okay? A lot of people go throughout, go throughout their lives and, not, and are not appreciative of everything that they do have in life. They focus very much on what they don't have. You know, oh, I don't have this, I don't have that, or they have this and you know, I don't have that. Why do they get to have this? And that, you know, I don't have that. I want you guys to kind of focus in on the things that you do have, the, the blessings that you have been able to uh, acquire, obtain. Uh, think of the basics, right? You got up this morning, right? Uh, a lot of people don't get up in the morning. Just It's just the way life is sometimes. Uh, you were able to get to work or you're able to get to class on time safely, right? You got to say hello and, and see you later to your mom, your dad, your family. You got to say all of that. A lot of people are not able to do that for a number of reasons, uh, whether they're uh, deployed or some of that nature, or they're just departed from this world. It's a lot, right? So start focusing on being appreciative of, the, uh, of this blessing that we call life, uh, of, of the trials and tribulations that we have. Um, the, the point of going through trials and tribulations is to get something out of us, is to challenge us and get something out of us. So once you're done with the endeavor, you have come out transformed. You have come out changed, right? So are you complaining that you went through it or are you complaining that you got over it, right? Just be appreciative of the fact that you had the experience and you learned something from it and that you're still alive and around to be able to tell somebody the story, right? A lot of people care about, you know, them, them, them. It's all about me, 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 and how I experienced it. Maybe you were supposed to have that experience so that you can tell somebody else who really needs that advice, right? Maybe you can be, you can, have a portal gun for them, right? The portal gun is kind of what I say, it's like the warp gun, right? If I can shoot a portal, if I can shoot a gun and it creates a portal that warps you past something I went through, I will definitely use it. So uh, when I refer to a portal gun, that's what I'm trying to, to uh, lean towards, okay? So back to the main topic here of, of appreciation, right? The best thing you can do for somebody else, especially when they are, you know, doing something for you that you you may not know the extent of what they're doing. You just know you're the end user and you have received something. The best thing you can do is show your appreciation for that that organization or that party member or or that person that is actually delivering a product for you. Okay, so specific specifically going down to. Um, talking about ROTC or anybody in the military or, or anybody in the civilian world who has supervisors who they really have those unique supervisors, right? The ones that really go hard for them, that create products that um, 
they may or may not be perfect, but you can tell that there was an effort put in there to better you, right? There, there is nothing better than just stopping for a moment and telling them or somehow showing them that you appreciate what they, what they have been doing for you, okay? Um, I know specifically my experience when I was in basic training, the best way I could show my training instructor, my TI, that I appreciated them was not just telling them that, but actually demonstrating that I was learning from them and that I could do a left face and do a right face, right? After they have taught me and I struggled with it, and then the next day just clicks and I'm doing it better than anybody else in that unit. That's a really good way of showing appreciation uh, for that person who is being your mentor and your guide and actually teaching you something. So don't forget that that is a way to show your appreciation, right? Right now, big shout out to any instructor out there, big shout out to any uh, BMT instructors, Air Force ROTC instructor, academy instructors, drill sergeants, supervisors in the civilian world, managers, all of that. Big shout out for, for those who are really doing it big, that's doing what they're supposed to do. I appreciate you, right? Because without you all, we could not be getting, uh, we could not get the job done out here, right? Because you're teaching us and you're showing us what we're supposed to know in order to move forward, all right? You Air Force ROTC cadre, I know you're unappreciated out there. I know you are, okay? I'm a cadre member myself, man. And it's, we put in a lot of work in order to make sure that everybody has what they need. And it, we're, it's exhausting, right? So I appreciate you. I appreciate everybody who's out there doing what they're supposed to be doing out there. Another shout out, big shout out to the, the professional officer corps out there in ROTC, right? The POC the ones who are creating operational plans, the ones that are teaching the operational plans, the ones that are evaluating and making sure that everybody's doing what they're supposed to do. I know you all are doing so much more than what meets the eye. I know that, I'm in the field with you, right? Your cadre are in the field with you. Your drill instructors, your, your supervisors and managers, we understand that, your commanders, we understand that you have to put in a little bit extra to, in order to be excellent out there and deliver a product that might not be appreciated as much at face value, right? So for you GMC or for you lower classmen or the, the people who are learning from these people, take a moment if you ever get a chance and tell them how much you appreciate them if you can, right? I don't know what you're doing on the, uh, you know, you know, outside of ROTC, because you probably have two, you might have two jobs. I know cadets out here who got two jobs out here and they still have to produce a product so that the GMC can learn, right? So for you GMC out there, if you get a moment, again, like I said, give them a rose while you're with them, right? Tell them how much you appreciate their efforts. And that usually makes the difference in somebody's day to know that they're appreciated, okay? Another way you can do that, like I mentioned before, is demonstrating. Coming to your event prepared, coming to your event ready to go. Um, what I mean, your uniform's good, right? Whatever you're wearing, it's good, it's, it's sharp. You're within regulations, you're on time. You, you're helping out others who, who may, may or may not know the material. Uh, you're asking questions, you're engaged, you are present. That is the best way 
to show your appreciation for somebody who's making a do a, a diligent effort in order to give a product that you can use in order to be a better person, right? To, to make that transformation that you're seeking, okay? It's, it's very hard work for cadre, for managers, supervisors, uh, POC. It's very hard work that happens in the background so that all the end users just get, you know, they get the product, right? They get an excellent product, okay? So again, it only takes a moment, only takes a little bit of effort to show your appreciation for, for those who are doing that for you. I was able to show my, my personal story, all right? I've been in the Air Force 19 years. I still remember my training instructor's names. That is uh, Staff Sergeant at the time, Staff Sergeant Lance Holbrook and Staff Sergeant Allison Ramirez, right? They are still out there and I still talk to them to this day, right? And I was so blessed to be able to, after 18, 19 years of service, be able to reach back to them and tell them, hey, I really, really appreciate what you guys did for me. I was just a kid from the Southeast San Diego, right? Uh, South side of Chicago. So I was able to tell them that and say, man, I really appreciate what, you, what you've done for me, right? That set the boundaries uh, or to set the foundation for me so, so I can teach others, right? So every year I tell them, hey, thanks to you, I produced this many officers this year, right? So go out there make sure you are doing your best out there and don't forget to voice your appreciation or demonstrate your appreciation for those out there, especially today when you go out there to your lead labs or your demonstrations or whatever, when you gotta perform, show your appreciation out there, all right? I want you guys to really get it, get it down, man. Let's get to work, man. Let's go, let's go, let's get it. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back, back again, a new week, a new regimen of training, a new set of results. We are still here. Folks probably trying to get us fired, but we are still here. We are still around. Best ROTC podcast around. If you guys don't like it, oh well, you can change the channel. We are here, back again, ready to roll, all right? Man, I can't tell you how happy I am to be with the crew today. A lot of changes going on today. Man, look, we didn't, some of us didn't even wake up today on this planet, right? So we still here. We still hanging around. We still got a mission to do. So be happy that you're here with us. Be happy that you're ready to roll with us, all right? So here's how we're gonna do it. It's time for the old roll call, all right? So this is this is nothing, we have just me by myself, right? Got the whole crew, so this is how we're gonna do it. As usual, we're gonna go through the old roll call for this is debt for the revolution. So we're gonna go ahead and let you guys know who's up in the building today. When I give them their sign, they're gonna give me a counter sign, let me know that they're present and who's in the building today. All right, so with all due respect, without further ado, all right, all stations report, starting with Cadet Ballesteros. Alive and well. All right, we have our engineer on the other side, Cadet Davison. Howdy from Rebel Nation. All right, we got Cadet Walboro. Where you at? Yeehaw and attack, sir. Woo! All right, we got Cadet General also in the building. In the house. All right, and then we got... Our special guest today, man, came out of nowhere on this one. Our vice wing commander, Debt 4 Rebel Nation, Cadet Dowit. 
taking names, kicking butt, doing my job. All right, and then came out of absolute nowhere. We did not see this one coming. Your one and only Wing Commander, Cadet Gorst. Present. All right, and then, of course, we got the cadet in command of this whole hypercast. We got Cadet Wade in the building. Yeah, buddy. All right, with that being said, that's the crew today. Cadet Wade, let me know what's on your mind. A lot going on this week, man. What do you, what, what you got? Man, a lot going on, but, you know, a uh, whole lot's changing. A whole lot's changing, but not really at the same time. You know, Rati never really changes, you know. Different ingredients, but at the end of the day, same recipe. Um, as a five-year, I've gone to about, you know, about 16 lead labs a semester, four years, somewhere between 100 and 128 lead labs. And every single one of them, you know, I've just been thinking, man, I'm just a cadet. What the hell am I going to be doing? But today I went to a lead lab, finally knowing what the hell I'm going to be doing in the Air Force and the rest of the graduating class, which means that AFSCs came out this week. Um, and Debt 4, we dropped ours uh, today, September 15th. So there's a lot of cadets that are out there pumped, you know. It kind of gives you that rebluing moment to where you you feel motivated and dedicated to go out there and keep finishing that last half year, year and a half, however long you got. So that's what's new around here, you know. Okay, That's right, so, Cadet Way's going to go be a pilot. Pilot! Yeah, buddy. All right, so uh, Cadet Dowd, you got an AFSC too, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You got a good old pilot AFSC about time, man. Yeah, I, I just, buddy. You know, hey, Walbro, you remember uh, Colonel Dayton down at FT this year? Yeah, I do, yeah. Yeah, you know those, uh, I mean, to Wade's point, blue Kool-Aid. That, that's yeah, what he called those living the blue moments. You know, he'd be like, you know, we all have those moments where we're going to drink the blue Kool-Aid, and you, and you just feel it. That was my blue Kool-Aid moment this Absolutely, semester. Absolutely, dude. Yes, like, sir. Just, you know, just everyone celebrating. We got a lot of missileers, and I know Cadre's happy about that. Mm. <laughs> we love our missileers here. So, hey. Uh, just let y'all know that Blue Kool-Aid is uh, sponsored to you by uh, Squincher. Uh, <laughs> you know, Squincher, your, your field training uh, drink on the go. Yeah. and give you some free advertising out there. Max uh, who else got it? Huh? What are you saying, Wabro? Max Max 5 never got uh, Squinch. We got actually. Oh, yeah. We all missed out, man. <laughs> Yeah, we're probably immune to COVID now because yeah. we got squinch. I would sneak 100%. out in the middle of the night to go get me some squinch. <laughs> be like at 1 p.m. or 1 a.m. I walk out, man, I'm thirsty. Go out there, get me some squinch. And then there's just a random captain walking by. Just pretends I don't, I, w I wasn't there because I'd be just chilling out in the day room drinking squinch by myself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what, what was that? Who's that? Uh, Wabro? Oh, no. Sorry. I'm just laughing. Oh, <laughs> he's always laughing. Okay, so is anybody over there got who's got a new AFSC or is it just uh, you two? I think it's just those two, yeah. sir. Yeah, so we're all we got... either late five years oh, or uh, brand new. No, we're just kidding. We got one more. We're just kidding. We got, we got one, one more. more. Wait, wait, wait yeah. five years. He, he went through his time. It'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, another five here that finally got their job. <laughs> it definitely felt like this day was never gonna come. So today was definitely a surprise. Um, but. Devin Jr. in the house. Pretty excited about yeah, that. Yeah, woo! <laughs> stuff, man. Make the end game. That's major's going to be put to use, so yeah, that's exactly. good. <laughs> All right, cool. So a uh, quick story about well, me when I was going through, right, when I put in my OTS package, because that's the process I go through is not the process you guys went through. So, of course, um, when I got picked up for missiles, I didn't. that wasn't even on my list there. 
think I you know had on a top five and I didn't wouldn't even track in Missileer. So uh, cr- crazy story when I got announced that uh, or it was announced that I was going to make OTS, they had uh, you know they had let me know I was going. My commander at the time was uh, Colonel Zadell, call him Jay Z for short, and he had announced to them they was like, yeah, you know, you know, you know, he's going about to, you know, Sergeant Selection is about to go to OTS, and everybody's like, ah, oh. and then some people were hating in the corner, ah, you know what I mean? Because that's the way it goes. Not everybody wants to see you win, right? Right. Okay, so um, but he didn't tell me my AFSC. So he literally pulled me aside after that. And then he told me that I got picked up for missiles. He's like, cause I didn't know how you're going to react to that. And I know how everybody else was going to react to it. Um, just cause missiles at the time had that stigma, the nuclear winter and all that other stuff like that. So, um, it's kind of the, I, my point is I want to let you guys know that how the, the difference between the two. So ROTC will, uh, produce an officer first, and then they'll tell you what your AFSC is, which pretty much you guys kind of had that experience. OTS is a little different. They'll produce the AFSC, right? So um, so not only did I, you know, you guys kind of get your contract, and then you get your job. Well, no, it's the other way around, and, and, and you get all of that at one time. So usually we get the slim pickings of whatever's left over from the other commissioning sources. But hey, most of us are ready to go. So um, just let y'all know, man, I'm glad that you guys got, you know, the AFSCs that you guys desired. You guys are going to go out there and be, through, do big things. And, and man, I couldn't be more proud of you guys uh, in, you know, where you guys are going. So uh, I'm really, really, really excited. I'm really proud, uh, proud of the rest of the debt for uh, uh, revolution who got their AFSCs, man. It was a lot, uh, a good, positive energy out there. Uh, I'm really proud to, to be uh, you guys' cadre. All right. So with that being said, anything else on your mind, Wade? Um, well, you know, going back to it, it's mostly just for me this week is seeing it through, seeing it through because the, the battle is long. The journey is hard. Some days are easier than others. But, you know, it's that saying where the days are long, but the years are short. And I've gone through this quite a while. And, you know, today is the day that we got our AFSCs. But for me. Today is also the day where a lot of the people who graduated the class before, so the seniors last semester that left, they have a lot of them have just commissioned and have EADs and they're all leaving today. And that was the class that, you know, I came up with as a freshman. And as they're leaving officially, you know, they're leaving the state. It's just looking back and enjoying all those great memories. And, you know, we're all going our separate ways and people have jobs now. I have my job now. And there's really, really bright futures ahead of us. But, you know, it's that thought of, man, we've had a great time behind us, but there's so much more ahead of us. And just being, you know, very grateful because as you go through it, you make some really good friends and you separate. So my word of advice for cadets at any any year level, mostly in particular the five years, the people who are going to stay a year after their graduating class graduates is to, you know, once you start hitting your POC years and such, you know, take the time to not be so locked on to ROTC and, you know, getting the job done because there's a lot of problems and cadets argue and all of that stuff. But as you start to get older and be more mature, you start to realize that none of that really matters. Like a lead lab is going to be produced at the end of the day. Cadets are going to march every Friday. PT is going to happen what you really should be focusing on is making those memories with your class, the people around you before everybody goes their own way one day.
because that's all the time you have. And who knows the next time you're going to see somebody. But you also create those, you know, connections, friends as you go along your military path. So it's part of the process that you got to learn. And, you you know, you've got to get real comfortable with change. But you also have to enjoy every moment as you're going along. Wonderful. Agreed. Well, well spoken. Well spoken. All right, Cadet General, you got the helm today. So what's on the lineup for uh, for us today, this week? All right, so up next, we've got an introduction for Cadet Gorsh and Cadet Dowett. We've got some questions for them today that I'm going to let um, Cadet Davison introduce for the first few. Okay, so this is just more so introductory questions. So this is a little bit more personal. So for both of you... Um, in any order you guys want. So uh, what is your major and what is your desi desired AFSC? You want to take this one five year over there? Pain. Sure thing. So this is Cadet Gorst and I'm majoring in electrical engineering. And since I'm the only one in the interview who now has a desired AFSC, my desired AFSC is pilot. And I'm a I'm Cadet Dowett. I'm a poli sci major, as they say, poli sci to fly, and that's what I'm going to be doing. Got my pilot AFSC today, so woo, good man. Um, all right, so um, because of that, what do you guys both want to fly in the Air Force? Ooh. Ooh. Hmm. I'm a I'm a C-17 kind of guy. That I don't know. There's something about that plane. I just every time I see that little that short field takeoff and landing, I'm like, dude, that's got to be a sick mission set. That's so. Big boy thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I also love deploying. I also love deploying in C-17s. Those are great. C-130s are not. Those are not great. Can I doubt it? Have you seen the little mini um, C-17 they got over the little baby C-17 they got over? Oh yeah, yeah. I love that. You know what's I, what's even? I love that. I was introduced I to it a few weeks ago, and I current I, I I frequently go back to the little cute video of it, and it makes it it gives me a boost of serotonin. You know, I I have a buddy, um, and she kind of just vaguely knows I do this whole Air Force thing, and she sent me that. She's like, "Is that what you're gonna fly?" And I was like, "On a on a bigger scale, absolutely." But <laughs> you know, maybe you know, maybe I'll squeeze in the little baby one one day. Maybe if you graduate number one in your UPT class, I'll let you take it. Oh, there we go. <laughs> there we go. That's all the motivation I need. I looked up the mechanics to that thing, and that's like a little like a uh, John Deere uh, tractor that they converted into a C-17. Yeah, it can't fly. It's literally just a grounded. They use it for recruiting. Hey, you know what? It got me. It got me signed up. Yeah, sign me right up. I'll take the John Deere C-17. Cool. All right. He hasn't gone. Oh, sorry. Oh, well, the correct answer to this question is fast and pointy. Huh? Next question. Amen. <laughs> yes, hey, hey, hey. All right. So uh, this one is more so about the program. So how would you say that the Air Force ROTC program has best developed you? And this can be in any particular way. In any particular way. I think the most impactful development developments that I can point to from my experience in Air Force ROTC come down to two things. The first thing is decision-making, the confidence that comes with that, because as you get thrown into leadership positions, 
as you continue through the program, you will learn that having confidence in making decisions is half the battle, believing in yourself, believing in your plans. The image that that puts off to the people that you're leading is wildly important. And being an Air Force ROTC has made this a much stronger facet of my leadership profile. And I'm very grateful for that. The other thing that Air Force ROTC has developed in what I would think of as the most impactful manner would have to be how I view leadership and looking at not just the small details, but the grand picture. You come into a program like this, knowing that at the end, if you make it through, you'll commission and you'll be an officer and you're going to lead people, right? And what does that mean? Well, it sounds really cool to get to be a part of the Air Force and maybe you'll get to be a pilot like Cadet Dowett and Cadet Wade. Um, but are you thinking when you're joining the program about the airmen that you're going to lead, the guardians you're going to lead. And it's something that we, even though we talk about it a lot in Air Force ROTC, I think it's one of those things you can't talk about enough. But uh, in these past three, going on four years now, that extra exposure, you know, those conversations, those leadership activities, where the stakes, right? A, a conversations about why everything matters and the stakes of what we're about to do. Those moments are massively impactful and make you reflect on what you're doing here. And ultimately what you come to realize is it is not about you at all. And it might be something that as a young GMC cadet, you don't really want to think about because the prospect of having an exciting career and life path is great and can be all the hype that you need to continue in a program like this. Uh, but learning at the end of the day that it's not about you is the point. Did it doubt it? Man, I, I don't know how I'm supposed to follow that one up. But <laughs> I mean, I, I think there are two things. The biggest one... Um, at least on an individual level, was the importance of communication. You know, I, I, I've heard it, I think, for the last eight years, just because of what my mom and my family do, and now the four years here, but really just being able to deliver a, a message and effectively understand not only what your words mean, but how they might be received. And the importance of just, sometimes you just got to over-communicate. Let people tell you, hey, calm down, dude, like you're bothering me too much. But you know, if you if you're not communicating, whether that's an expectation or a plan or whatever it is, and you're the only person that's holding on to it, it does no good, it does no good. And that kind of ties into the second thing is um, mission first people always, you know, just in everything that I do. And to Cadet Goer's point, there's always a bigger picture. You know, when you when you commission, yeah, you have that job title, you have engineer, you have pilot, you have CISO but you are commissioning as an officer and your expectation is you're going to lead people at some point down the line. It may not be right away or it may be right away. And you have to remember that all these people that you are going to be entrusted to lead come from different backgrounds, different experiences, 
And they're looking to you to be that North star when you're there. And I think just understanding the weight that that has, even on a small decision as at a ROTC level, teaching someone how to march a flight from point A to point B to at a bigger level, planning an entire semester's wing structure and operations and putting people where they can not only develop, but where we know that they can feel a certain level of uncomfortability. It's, it's super important. And I, you know, I wish younger GMC me got to see that a lot sooner. All right, great answers, gentlemen. I'm going to be passing off the rest of the questions to Cadet General. Okay, so we're going to switch it up and kind of go into more of an Afrati aspect of your, both of your guys' positions in the wings. So um, either one of you guys, again, can go first. But um, in four sentences or less, what does the vice wing commander do? Or um, in contrast, what does the wing commander do, at least for our detachment? In four sentences or less, if you can. Four sentences or less. Uh, good answer would be whatever Cadet Gorse tells me to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't do that. Okay, I guess I'll do it. <laughs> whatever, whatever deliverables and responsibilities that are not given by myself, it's from him. That's what I do. So is there any level of like consultation that you provide? Or oh, like... I mean, absolutely. Like I'll, I'll be his right hand man when we get decisions. My job is to advise him and make sure that we're making the best decision possible, and. Uh, looking over our wing staff, mentoring their development as well. So um, when you, when you, so I mean, obviously that's pointing at him, but how do you point at the the cadet wing? I mean, I know that you have, uh, you know, cadet course's vision, right? Mm -hmm. So um, is there anything that you do in order to make sure that you enforce that, that, you know, enforce that vision and make sure that we're going in the right direction? I mean, I start up at the top, start with the wing staff, you know, when we talk about our exec or our scheduler, like making sure that they really understand it, even at their, I don't want to say lower strategic uh, point of view, but making sure that they're buying into it and then relaying that to the group commanders whenever Cadet Gorst isn't there, making sure like, hey, if we're doing this LLAB while he's at class, are we really meeting his objective? Are we meeting his vision? And if not, how are we going to do that either right now or next LLAB? Yeah, so I'll add to that. And going into the wing commander role specifically, talking about what I do there, there's a couple things. And I think you can summarize it in less than four sentences. The big things are, number one, to provide direction in general at a strategic operational level to make things easier for the group commanders and the wing staff, Cadet Dowd and I, uh, despite being the wing and deputy wing commanders, we are not the ones that make the mission, the operation happen uh, in any regard. Our job is to provide the direction for where the wing is going to inspire people and let them know that what they're doing at whatever part of the cadet wing they're at is impactful and helping us to move forward. And lastly, to make things easier for the people who are getting the job done. To summarize in a sentence or two. 
<laughs> that was great, gentlemen. Really, really appreciated that. Um, all right. So the next question we have in your short three weeks of the semester, but also in the entire summer, what have been some of the things that you have learned so far in your position? Something like unexpectedly learned in your position? Yeah, I'll I'll start on this one. There's a couple of unexpected lessons we've had, and I think that now it can certainly relate, but I will say that being in a position where you're getting information from all facets of the cadet wing, there's always something going on. And there's always something that's coming across our desk. Amen. And uh, that's okay, right? That's what we're here to do. We're here to help. But the job is a lot. It, it's very busy, and you would think it would be very busy. But when you find out why and how it's busy, it, it's almost it's almost surprising. But I think th a bigger takeaway is you truly realize how much everybody else is doing, right? You realize that down at the training readiness squadron level, whether it's PT or LAB or doing logistics, it's incredible how much is being done all across everywhere. And honestly, it's an interesting feeling going from operations to a strategic level like this because I find myself feeling bad that I'm not directly involved in what's going on and right. And being comfortable delegating and, and sending and letting the power be executed at the lowest level. It's a beautiful thing, but there's a lot of anxiety at first letting go and letting everybody do their thing and just doing what you can to get them to see the vision and to follow suit in the direction that we're all going but it's 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 greatly rewarding when it does start to come together. I think the biggest lesson I took away is truly what flexibility is the key to air power means. I mean, you know, you, you see it at an operational level um, when we were both squadron commanders last semester, like little things happen and you got to flex. You know, Cadet Wade knows all about that as overseeing us last semester. But I mean, when you're up at this level and and those things happen when you're inspiring people to make those decisions and you see them play out and being so far away to be able to kind of be like, all right, yeah, we really need to change course and this is how we need to do it now. Now, those those little seconds that you're thinking about it, they 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 only get more and more impactful the higher up you go. And, you know, doing something operationally, like being a CTA over the summer, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I can, I can make a little slip here and there. But up at that, that higher strategic level, those little slips just domino all the way down to whoever's marching the flight this Friday. So I did want to ask, because um, we, 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 don't, we don't have just two wing commanders in here. We have three. So um, and, and Cadet Ballesteros... A lot of people don't know that, that she was the wing commander uh, last year and uh, about this time. And uh, we've had many uh, conversations about, you know, feedbacks and how the cadet wing is going and where we're going. Um, and, and I guess my question to her, I mean, she could compare, are the problems that you had to address, 
are they similar? And if they're not, where are they more intense this round or 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 not? What do you think? What's your opinion? We definitely just comparing it from just how the whole year went for academic year um twenty two to twenty three is we had a way different mission set at that point in time. We were correcting and redirecting our cadet wing to where we needed to be, and that being truly focused on standards performance and rehealing our culture because it was honestly pretty bad and I think also the timing of our cadre we had most a majority of our cadre leave and new cadre come in so we had new leadership Colonel Yum really spearheading a lot of these movements with me and so I would say it's much better now because given the fact that as previously stated in my other podcast, um, change takes time. And I think we're finally seeing the results of the change a year after. And it's good because now everybody has assimilated that trans like transformational period has just calmed down now. You know, people already know what is expected of them, mm-hmm. but it took a year. And that's kind of crazy to think about. Um, and I think the issues that um, now Cadet Gorse and Cadet Dower are facing are distinct to their own academic year because now they have different 300s leading. Now they have a new incoming AS100 clash, which they seem extremely motivated. I mean, we we were talking about it right after LAB. Mm-hmm. Um, so now it's them just focusing more on the personal problems of their uh, POC, as well as any uh, procedural processes just to keep on improving what we already had. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I just wanted to bring that in just to let you guys know for for you rebel nations out there that, you know, uh, Cadet Biosteros has a lot of experience and a lot of the a lot of the reason why Cadet Gorse and Cadet Dowd do what they do is because Cadet Biosteros set the foundation a year ago. So they're able to do what they're doing. Um, all these wing commanders, I, I, I know for a fact I can tell uh, that it's lonely at the top. Right. It's lonely up there. A lot of people don't understand why you do what you guys do because you're not they're not up there. Right. And it's lonely. So I kind of want to get back to um, Cadet General. But I I do want to ask a couple more questions uh, in addition uh, so that the rebel, the the revolution understands what's really happening. Um, I do want to ask you guys what what is the hardest thing to date that you guys have had to endure uh, being the wing commanders? Uh, in, this, in the last three weeks that you guys have been through? What has been the hardest thing? I want you to send a message to the cadet wing, right? What is the hardest thing that you guys have had to endure just being the wing commanders, uh, not just th- these three weeks of training, but like all the setup before? What is the what? What is something that you really want them to understand? I have something, if uh, or Dawa, if you want to go before well, me. If you want to take it first, you go guys, ahead. please go ahead. Mine, I'm mine, <laughs> mine is a little bit more serious, but it's definitely on the range of. Obviously, there's a lot of things that happen, and I don't want to make it seem as if our detachment was bad. Then we were just redirecting ourselves and you know fixing things that needed to be fixed. But it really did come to the point where the hardest challenge of me being a wing commander was sometimes fearing, fearing for the lives of others and then fearing for yourself. Because, for example, we had a situation where um, we unfortunately had a cadet that, you know, almost committed suicide. And you then are starting to think, was it because of how we were you know, running things? Was it because she wasn't feeling heard? Was it because um, we weren't good enough wingmen? 
but you know at the end of the day all of us could have done our part more but also just seeing like what was your contribution to that fact and who else is struggling with that and then you know we had on to another topic on the, the separate end of the spectrum you know we were realizing that you know we had to report certain people for doing things that they shouldn't be doing right because you always have to as a wing commander you have to claim the, the welfare of your people um, and that's keeping them safe and you know you kind of think back about retaliation like are people going to come back to me because I'm, I'm I'm reporting them like you know do I have to watch myself while I'm going to my car at night it's sometimes you think about it and it's just kind of like what you have to deal with and so people think sometimes that wing commander isn't that big of a deal but it is a big of a deal if you make it that's what I got <laughs> What do you got, Gors? You still thinking over there, Gors? I'm always thinking, sir. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so if, if I had to put a pin in it three weeks in, right? I haven't had a whole semester to think about this question. So catch me in a year, and I'll probably have a different answer for you. But I don't think this is a problem unique to our detachment, I think it's a problem that being in a more symbolic type of role is going to carry with it. And I, I would point to the difficulty of trying to perfectly tailor a message of why to a body of over 140 people. People who have different interests and priorities, different views on what ROTC means to them, trying to show people fresh out of high school that what they're getting into is a matter of life or death. And articulating this as somebody who doesn't have experience on active duty, who hasn't been in the conventional sense a warfighter as of yet. And so the unique challenge that you know, this provides to myself and Cadet Dowett just really sticks out to me because it's probably the most important part of our job is to articulate that and to get people on board. Because when you win the hearts of the people, everything else will fall into place. You know, our strict standards our expectations, our operational efficiency, it, it's all massively important. But if I can't articulate and get you to understand why it is all so important, then those numbers, that bean counting, it doesn't matter. And I'll say that so far, I call it a mission success and we're getting there. I know the cadet wing is moving, we're making progress. But it is certainly challenging to be that every day and to show by example every day, not just to the GMC, but also to the POC. But I will say they deserve it. And that's what makes it worth it. Man, y'all y'all are giving such good answers. And then I uh, and then I step up to the plate. I'm like, I hope I'm, you know. Yeah, those are really I, uh, good. Let me let me take a shot at this. <laughs> 
I just want to get up on time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah be dressed in the right uniform. Well, talk yeah. about getting up on oh, time. Poor, poor GMC me was thinking those exact same things. <laughs> oh man, I got, I got, I got virtual PT. I got to make sure I'm ready to go. God, what a time. But getting back to what we were talking about, I, th- I think the the biggest challenge that I have come to realize is really at the top, you got to be ready for anything. And, you know, as cliche as that is, you, you don't know what your people under you are going through. And I mean, I think this semester we've had to make changes to the wing in terms of personnel five or six times. And some of which has been during the semester. And sometimes it's just, all right, you know what, they're down, next person up. And I know my responsibilities from what they were looking from at the beginning of summer to end of June to end of July to beginning of August to now have changed drastically. And you really just got to be flexible to accept, all right, yeah, mission needs are going to change and I'm going to have to do something different. And, you know, to Cadet Ballesteros' point, when, when those changes happen, you kind of just sit back and you're like, man, could I have... I have saved this person. It, it's a hard thing to swallow because sometimes you're kind of beating yourself up for it, even if it was something out of your control. Like, what if we had caught it sooner? I don't know what me catching a medical issue is going to do because that it's a medical thing, you know. But you know, when when you go down to Maxwell as a CTA and then you hear the max after that someone had self-eliminated, and you're like, man, what if I was there for that one max when it's really out of my control? And you kind of just have to grapple with even as a wing commander, while a lot of it is in your control, there are still plenty of things that aren't. And you have to accept that and keep your your head level because the people below you are going to be looking for that cool and calm head when the stuff happens. Yeah, that's a pretty solid answer. Uh, Connect General, do you have any other questions in there? Because I got one more, but I just wanted to make sure you your questions are getting answered out there. I know I just kind of hijacked your stuff, my bad. But I really wanted to ask those questions and get that mm-hmm. out of there. No, absolutely, sir. Yeah, um, I've got one small little question that we can ask uh, that I'd like to ask at the very end. But um, just keep in mind, uh, time. We don't want to make these listeners sit here for two hours. So um, just uh, keep this next question a little short, if you don't mind. Yeah, I got you. So my last question and is is quick and it's it should be pretty relatively simple. Uh what is the one thing that you want your what 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 is the one message that you want to send out to the members of your cadet wing that are listening? What is the one thing if 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 you know if you could pick out that you would want them to know, um, whether it's about their motivation, whether it's about you know, some about yourself, what is something that Man, I really want them to know that this is where we're going. Well, what 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 was that answer? Are you thinking over there, Cadet Gorse? Because I got my answer. Go ahead, sir. All right. Uh, saying I live by, he who makes mistakes makes nothing, right? And you just got to accept at the end of the day that you're going to make a bunch of mistakes. Even up at the top, you're going to make mistakes. What matters is how, you know, you accept it, you recover, and you push forward. You know, this is the playground, for lack of a better term, to make those mistakes and to learn those lessons. Because when you come to active duty, and I'm sure, sir, I mean, I don't know how many times you told us, when you get to active duty, sink or swim. You got to be ready to go. So make those mistakes now and learn from them and don't be afraid to make them. I don't know how many times I told my trainees at FT, just make the mistakes. Just mess up. It's okay. I'm not going to yell at you. I'm going to give you a piece of paperwork and I might not even file it. Like... (laughs) 
not the end of the world here. Let's calm down. So just make the mistakes and keep going because, yeah, just keep going. Hey, Gorth, what you got? Don't let each other fail. Ooh, what? It's something that I've heard a lot in my time in the program. And it, if I could summarize it, to better explain what I mean by that is I'm really reaching to my GMC here, right? I've talked a lot to the POC about our expectations as a core and we're tracking, but really to the GMC, don't let each other fail. And as much as it is extremely important to master your warrior knowledge, to master your drill, those hard skills, and to be perfect at it. What I care about more is the cadet that looks at the others around them and sees that something is not up to snuff, that morale is low, that somebody could use a friend or a wingman, that somebody's struggling with a technical skill and does something about it, whether it's in lead lab, outside of lead lab, always looking out for one another because in a team environment, when one person fails, we all fail. When one piece of the pie is not fully cooked, we all get salmonella. Are you speaking from experience there a little bit? Not a, not a big uh, pie baker myself, but I can promise you that, you know, when one, when one part, you know, when one bolt comes loose on that bridge, the whole thing's coming down. So I like how, there we go. there's that major. There, there's the engineering major at work. There it is. Hey, uh, look at him go. I'm an electrical engineer, so I don't know. Uh, oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> about that. Yeah. So just just remind me if you ever bring pie to a potluck, not to not to yeah, take it. Happens. Yeah. I'll tell you which piece is uncooked. All right, there we go. <laughs> All right. So lastly, final question, really, really quickly, because um we've definitely gone over, but. Uh, what would you recommend to those who want to pursue wing staff or like higher cadet wing leadership positions in as short as possible? Put in a package. Put in a package. Ask. Just ask. Ask the question. If you, if you know who's going up, ask the question. Make it known, and they'll deliver. And you get that experience, and then you keep going from there. Now, did you ask? I think that was uh, yeah. I kind of sort of asked. It was <laughs> oh, like, okay. hey, who who's interested in being in Wingstaff? Oh, I am. You. <laughs> okay. I and I got yoinked up. Yeah. So same thing. Advocate for yourself. There's you'd be amazed, and it, this is something I've learned in the program and just in life in the past couple years. You'd be amazed at how many great opportunities are going to present themselves if you open yourselves if you open yourself to it. And if you're out there seeking those opportunities, flying scholarships, wing staff or leadership positions, you name it, make it known that you want to do that. This is a great organization where the people, the cadets, the cadre, we're here to elevate each other, to lift each other up. We're not walking over people to get where we want to go. Make those desires known. Have the right intentions. Go for it. The people here are actively working for your success. So tell us so that we can help you out in achieving your goals. Yeah, I, I, I think that's pretty solid. And I, I, I just to wrap this up, I, I uh, want to jump on that. And I want to talk about what uh, Cadet Galanga said, who's going to be the spring wing commander. He's literally made it known, but he was like, 
I'm I want I have the most to learn. That's what I that's why I want to do it. It wasn't because I'm the strongest candidate. He was like, no, I'm I have the most to learn. So I, I think that that was really solid. I think that was essential for him being selected. So even for those who are uh, what we like to call late bloomers, if you're not sure, look at Cadet Galanga and ask him because he was like, I'm a late bloomer. I have the most to learn because I'm not familiar with this. And that was like, well, let's give him an opportunity. Let's let him learn. So big ups to Cadet Galanga, who's going to be the spring uh, commander. Uh, but yeah, to your liking, I, I appreciate what you, you said, uh, Cadet Gorse. Make it known. Open up your mouth. Say something. Right. And, and, and you will most likely get what you're looking for. This is a program where you can get what you're asking for. If you ask, you got to ask. So uh, with that, we'll wrap it up. Cadet General, uh, thanks for uh, you know giving us extra time. I know you've been pushing us to, to get off the cliff. All right. No worries. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, back to you. What we got next? All right. So I've got some questions for us coming in. This is from the United States Air Force Commissioning Mentorship page. All right. So first question um, for Captain Sledge or anyone else that might want to add in if they've had any uh, issues with Dobmer. But it says um, question is I was diagnosed or I was missed diagnosed with scoliosis when I was 16 and it is showing in my medical chart as an active condition. I am currently active duty enlisted. Will this be an issue when completing an officer physical? Can I ask for it to be removed? So, yes, it will always be that. Um, it's on your medical record. So uh, when you put in an officer package, you get a medical screening. Um, and you also get a 422, uh, which is pretty much a profile form that says that you are fit for duty um, based on the criteria. Uh, the misdiagnosis, it sounds pretty severe. That would pop up and that would raise a lot of concerns. So I would, uh, if I could, um, if that's a, a, a thing that you could do, I'm, I'm pretty sure it is, uh, get a another screening, another physical in order to re-diagnose or, or re-diagnose the condition and they might be able to wipe it from the record and say, hey, this was misdiagnosed. Um, yes, I know this has been diagnosed, but obviously this person has been serving in the enlisted corps Right. And, and been fine. I, I don't I think that might have been a misdiagnosis. And it's another competent medical authority saying that based on the evidence that you've done the PT test, you've done this, you've done that. So Especially I think it was when she was 16. So she wouldn't have been able to enlist when she was 18. So correct. Or so they, I mean, they, him. Right. We, we have the we have the evidence that suggests that. So I would I would definitely encourage that person to seek another uh, medical authority and get that straightened out. Absolutely. Because they're going to look at that through your OTS screening process. Absolutely. OTS, whatever, whatever route you end up going to. All right. Next question is um, it says, hello, everyone. First time post long time member here. Question. Besides a good package and a leadership background, what else is looked at in a person? Like as a person, what do you uh, what do they want from you? And is finances something they look at? I'm asking because I do have some debt and medical bills I'm taking care of at the moment. Thanks in advance. Cool. So uh, let's knock out the easy one, the finance part, right? Bills and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. The Air Force and the DOD doesn't care about that to a certain extent. Um, we all have debts. We all have bills to pay and medical expenses. Who don't, right? That, that's cool. So, school, school loans, sir. Exactly, exactly. So um, the biggest thing when it comes to finance is um, like if you have an overwhelming debt that's beyond your scope, right? If I'm just, a, you know, if I have too much debt 
then it could be a security concern. So as your debt for security manager, if you have an extended amount of debt that's exceeding, right, the amount of, of debt you should have given your situation and your income, then that, that would be raised as a flag. And what that means is if, I, if you require a secret clearance or an elevated clearance, but your finances have been flagged and you can't get that clearance, then guess what? You can't be an officer, right? You, what are you doing enlisted? So though, mm -hmm. I would not worry about that since she's, this person's already enlisted. They probably are fine, but it, they don't look at that when it comes to officer packages. Um, in the other parts, as far as uh, they're concerned, what are we looking at? What are we looking for? Like leadership quality. She said that, got it. Uh, package quality. Yep, we got it. What is your potential as a future officer? Okay, because we can talk leadership until we're blue in the face, right? Uh, believe it or not, General uh, Cantwell, right, was actually my interviewing officer when I was a tech sergeant at Creech. A lot of people don't know that, right? And he's currently command over there at the home center, right? So I've known him in, in, our, in my past cool. life. Yeah, so I literally went into his office and I needed his signatures in order to go to the wing commander, uh, Colonel <laughs> Clough, in order to to get his endorsement to go put in an officer package. And he completely caught me by surprise here. So I'm going to give you guys a hint here. He looked at me and dead in the face and said, you're already a tech sergeant. I already have you, right? You're an excellent sensor operator on the RQ-170 platform. Why the heck would I let you go, right, and go, I know you're good here. Why would I let you go over there? And I got to take this risk. And this whole Air Force has to take this risk. You might not be a solid officer. What is the difference? Right? Why would I do that? And that I never heard that question before in my life. Like, I was not ready for that question. Oh, that, that um, makes you think. It made me think for a second. So I'm going to give you guys a heads up what the answer kind of is. It's your potential as an officer, as a team leader. It's a, your potential as a technician uh, when you're um, you know, navigating those weapon systems, right? It's what you're bringing, what you're potentially bringing to the fight, right? It's not, it, it's not what you're doing now. I'm telling you right now, yeah, I'm good at RQ-170 now, but that's not the nowhere near the limit, right? I am way beyond that. So you have to express on paper, unfortunately, that this is just a beginning. You guys are not tap, you're not tapping into the true person who is me, right? Oh, and what my potential truly, truly is. Right. If you keep me here in this spot, I will I will grow. I will continue to grow, but I'm not growing at the rate that I'm supposed to grow. The officer corps changes you. It grows you in a different way, in a different light. And if you do not let me go to this and try this out, then you are it's a it's a great disservice. And you have to convince them beyond a shadow of a doubt that, OK, this person's ready to transcend and check this thing out. I'm willing to take that risk and let that person go from enlisted to officer. Yeah, it's kind of like that idea of how um, paper paper uh, can only tell you so much quantity and a little bit of quality. So it's it's really that quantity versus quality. Like what are, what are your numbers saying on paper? But yeah, fight for yourself as a person. Um, show them that quantity that they they are not getting from that package from that paper. But also make sure what's on the paper is damn good too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, uh, got, both. Got to spell your name right. Got to spell your name right. That yeah. Matters. <laughs> Cadet Walbro and I don't really have too much experience, but we at least know the idea of packages and those getting sent up. So, yeah. 
All right. So that is all the time we have for questions today, sir. Um, yeah. I'm going to switch it over to Cadet um, Ballesteros with Cruise News this week. We are back. Oh, yeah. News. I've been waiting for two weeks. For I, this. Yeah, baby. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so hyped. Alrighty, y'all. You guys always know we've got to start off with some questions. So everybody in the air, have you guys ever been hacked and what happened? <laughs> no way. All right, so uh, can I general you? <laughs> you have a story to tell? <laughs> uh, no, but I I do know someone that was pretty severely hacked. Oh wow, yeah. Well, no, I know who you're talking about. We'll keep uh, him in our in our memories. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know there, someone huh? who was hacked, and so that just uh, got me got me thinking. Anybody so. else? I think I got my like PlayStation Network account hacked into like once or twice, and then you know they were like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I had my Instagram hacked once as well. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're totally blacking out that memory, Cadet Wolfro. Yeah, you and me both. Like, yo, how did you guys discover it? Was it like, uh, uh, dude, like, I know this person. This person would not say this. It was kind of like that. That's yeah. how it was, at least when it happened to uh, Cadet Wolfro. Something like, about, like, a quick money grab. Yeah. So we, we spammed the hacker and harassed them until they let his account go, and it worked. <laughs> Joking, no way. Exactly what happened. That's the story of wingmanship right there, cadets. I gotta hear about the stop The reason why I ask is because, I don't know if y'all were tracking, but the most recent hacking scheme that happened here in Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. MGM. Yeah, I know someone who works with MGM. That is crazy. My parents work at the MGM, right? And it's to the point where, like, they can't even use their, like, oh, clients can't use their credit cards, their debit cards. They only have to pay cash. So nobody's going to the casinos right now. Yeah, Nobody can go to the restaurants or less wallets. Like, they have They're not allowed to use, like, their work phones that are being passed out. Yes, they're not allowed to use the work phones. They're not allowed to use their emails because they just feel like any small thing is going to get them hacked. But do you guys know how the hackers hacked into their system? No. Oh, I bet it was. Let me guess. Users. A user. A user in what way? Okay, my, most likely it's like a user either clicking an email or it's something that they weren't supposed to do, but we, they're, they're probably trained to do, but they are not to do, but they did it. What is it? Let me guess. What is it? LinkedIn. No. LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Yeah. So, <laughs> LinkedIn because, um, well, the group is called Scattered Spider. I don't really know them. I haven't really heard much about them. Is. I'm smashed. <laughs> and apparently they went. Well, they're utilizing social engineering because they uh, went on the website LinkedIn and found one of their help desk members, and they called them, and that's pretty much how they got in. Humans. No. Yes, yeah, that's how they got in. Called the help they called yeah. them? Yes, they called them, and that's how they got access to their account. Social engineering, guys. That's the thing. And that's why I don't use LinkedIn. And that's how if someone calls you and like, hey, what's my password? You don't that's like that's like that is so crazy too because that guy probably feels like so poopy because he's probably such oh, a low he's level. He's probably gonna person. disappear. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah he's so like he such a low level survive. person in the in the in the realm of that chain of command, and you know he was probably just trying to do his job by answering a, like his phone, you know, and just mm-hmm. one phone call changed the perspective of so much. Oh, I, I my heart goes out to that guy. No, yeah, because, I mean, looking at the bigger picture, not only is it drastically impacting money, I mean, the pools of money that are being lost, but the workers, like, people are getting, like, laid off these couple of days, not even able, being able to make money for their families, it's huge. Um, but Yeah, that, that's yeah. going to mess with Las Vegas' economy, too. Uh, uh, being in Las Vegas, like, MGM mm-hmm. Grand is 
MGM itself is so huge. It's got a huge footprint in Las Vegas. Absolutely. And do you guys happen to know why I'm talking about hackers? Uh, what would I'm, be? I'm a cyber would, guy. I know where you're getting. What would be the connection to the air force? Cyber, um, I'm a cyber would, operations officer. It's, 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 it's me and the non cyber person can make a. Maybe? Make a oh. guess. Uh, cyber warfare that we could be seeing on the horizon. Yes, ma'am. So there was a recent interview uh, with um, uh, with Air Force Times when Chief Master Sergeant Bass was talking about cyber warfare and how she truly believes that we have too many jobs in the Air Force of jobs that we really shouldn't be worried about and not too many jobs in the areas that we should be worried about. And in um, this location being cyber because it's so unknown i mean we're seeing all these different things with ai and we are truly not prepared as we need to be for for the future but what are you guys thoughts on cyber warfare do you think we're prepared do you think as a military as an air force as civilians even like what are your thoughts if i may i think it's a both a yes and a no i think looking at it from a civilian point of view and what I know now, or what I know, period, of, like, with no security clearance, no nothing, I would say no. But then again, United States military, they're very secretive. So they're probably, like, 20 steps ahead, and they're just not releasing that information. So that that's what makes me believe, and that, that little bit of hope right there makes me believe that, yes, I think we are ready. All right, Captain Sledge, what are your thoughts as a cyber, cyber man? <laughs> Okay, Cyberman to the rescue. Okay, so um, I know as a as a cyber operations officer in the test world in the conventional world that we definitely have our fair share of challenges that uh, our airmen and our guardians are fighting every single day because all those potential vulnerabilities and things like that are usually human induced. Um, so we do our fair share to make sure that uh, our our people are doing our due diligence to make sure that that stuff stays secure. Um, but it also is hardware and capability and capacity. Um, technology changes every single day. Um, and we are constantly trying to make sure that we on, are on the up and up, not just here, but uh, with uh, when it regards to our adversaries as well. We are always checking out to see what they're up to as well to make sure we're on the up and up. But um, a lot of people don't know like a lot of our cyber systems, um, especially when it comes to like uh, electrical grids, uh, water grids, things like that, um, they don't know that, uh, you know, availability and um, things like that determine how much security we put on it. So uh, with that being said, if you if you look at the CIA triad, which is pretty much gives us the balance of how we handle our, like the level of security for our cyber uh, assets um, usually varies, depends on how, how readily available we need that asset. So um, when it comes to that, and I'm not gonna get too deep into it, um, our airmen and guardians work hard to make sure that stuff stays balanced so that we have the right amount of protection at the right amount of time. And those who have access have access and those who don't, don't. So, uh, the, shout, out, shout out to your cyber folks whenever you get a chance to get to know them. Uh, those that's that's one of the triad uh, folks that you don't want to uh, anger uh, because they get things done for you. Uh, you won't be able to do your thing without them. So uh, there's a couple AFSCs out there. That's uh, finance, cyber and personnel. Right. You don't mess with those people. You want to be friends with those people. 
So please, please um, thank your local friendly cyber person because they're the ones that are actually doing the thing to make sure our system stays secure. No, yeah, absolutely. With everything going on, I mean, it's definitely very important that we just keep it at our forefront or even as leaders in the um, in the Air Force or Space Force, being able to lead the people that are experts in that area. And that goes um, not only with um, our enlisted force, but even like working with civilians. I know it's a different dynamic, but also realizing that it's very much a possibility since they are 100% most of the time more knowledgeable than we are and kind of seeing how that dynamic is going to work and kind of realizing that you know when you're in Rati sometimes you always think about oh it's going to be always in a military environment this and that like you always imagine kind of like a sort of vision of how your career is going to be but sometimes it's, it may not be that way because civilians are not like that and that's fine it's kind of being okay with that but again seeing and realizing we're kind of going in the future with cyber warfare and everything it's just really important to to rationalize it so that, those are my thoughts anybody else in the air that wants to say other comments I think that we we have a lot of focus on like cyber protection when it comes to our weapon systems um in in the terms of like you know it, it would take a lot to get into gps satellites and knock those out so that fighters and, and any aircraft don't know where they're going or even the systems internal to that uh, and to those aircraft and to the weapon systems that we have across the grid I think there's a lot of really hard work that goes into making those things super secure. Um, but I definitely think there's a lack on on the weakest link, right? Not being humans. Like the example that we had for the MGM, like the weakest link, what let them in was was the human. Um, and so I think as far as like, you know, educating uh, individuals or creating ways to make people being the weakest link of the system um, less susceptible to cyber attack or taking an action that leads to cyber attack is kind of the, the missing link there. Um, and so I think that that's something that, that maybe with more focus and time will be good. And I, I think, you know, as we see cyber warfare start to become a more prominent threat and um, people will naturally have to adapt and learn. Um, but at that point it might be too late, but I think that that might be where we're lacking uh, something that, that might be a, an avenue to explore in the future. No, honestly, those are really great points while you were talking about the weakest link or like the missing link attacking in that forefront, which most of the time ends up being the human. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, truly, sometimes humans. We're, we're humans and we're going to figure it out nonetheless. But um, moving on to a different topic, have you guys heard of the website called Air Force um, Tech Connect? Mm -mm. Not a. Nope, nobody. All right. So basically, I'm saying this more in the in the perspective of like an ROTC cadet, but even um, once we commission and everything, this website is basically a website manned by the Air Force and Space Force, where they basically list science and technology events. And that goes from those closest to you to the, those all the way across the nation. And it's a huge variety of things. So events such as like the space uh, symposium is going to be next year in Colorado Springs or the newest one of the air and cyberspace um, uh, events that they've been go they have had as of recently, I think these past couple of days. Um, but they have a whole bunch of lists there. And the reasons why I ask is multiple detachments have RSOs that have, you know, Arnold Air Society or Silver Wings, mm -hmm. or now, you know, most of us are trying to get I-5 now that we have the Space Force, mm -hmm. trying to actually have those opportunities to have our cadets, you know, go to those events if possible. I know funding is a thing, but I mean, 
the good thing about our registered student organizations is they have more funding compared to just detachment funding. Mm -hmm. So um, definitely reaching and, and finding those opportunities. I mean, I think this, this is a great uh, resource. It's called Air Force Tech Connect. It can really, really help you guys, I think, in uh, detachments all across the nation. And again, just fur furthering that mentorship and development that I think our, um, our cadets need in regards to like, you know, the AFSC, um, what they want to do, kind of, you know, helping them guide that path. That's so super cool. Mm -hmm. That's really, really cool. I really love that. Alrighty. Well, that brings us to our last segment of the day. We've got uh, just about 10 more minutes um, for this segment. We've got Reindeer Games with our very own cadet, Walvaro. Yeah. All right. So we're going to have some yeah, fun today. We are, we are going to ask a few questions of who is most likely to. Uh, so of the cast members we have here today, I'm basically going to ask a question and we are all going to say, hopefully in unison, uh, Cadet X would totally be the one to do this. And then obviously we'll joke a little bit about why. And that sound good with everybody? Yeah, we're good. Let's go. Excited. All right. We're going to start this one off strong. Who is most likely to get into a fight? Cadet Walbro. What do you guys think? Walbro? <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. I was, thinking, I was thinking Wade. I don't know if he's still here, but Wade. No, nah, Wade not, wait, Wade's not even here to yeah. defend himself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then yeah, Walbro. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like somebody would say something about like planes that he would like be like, why are you saying that? And get offended. Oh, well, yeah, bro, if yeah. you mention anything that this is the A-10, he'll throw A-10, him. forget it. Yeah, he's done. <laughs> yeah, he's he hawing would... all over your face. Yeah. <laughs> You're done. You're I done. Agree. If, I'm, I'm a very passionate individual um, for for better or for worse. I, uh, I would I would agree um, with that nice, one. That's nice. funny. Okay, who's most likely to run away and join the circus? I think this one's general. Whoa, whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah, I'm good with that. She's a dancer. She's, <laughs> she's she ran away from the circus and, to go you do. You got talent. You got talent. I'm not. Flexible. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. My uh, my ten years of dance, hundred percent. Yeah, I, I just run like, off. I'm not, I just your energy. Like I feel like is very circusy. <laughs> but like I don't mean that that's, in a bad way. But I feel like I feel like you could get diggy in a circus. <laughs> That's the first time I've ever heard that. So I'll take that as a compliment. I'll take that yeah, home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's roll with that. <laughs> All right, let's see. Let's go. Hmm. <laughs> All right, who is the most likely to mess up like badly during an interview? Ooh. Hmm. That one's that one's a thinker. That one's a good one. Take a second. I've never like seen any of you guys in the interview <laughs> situation. Yeah, interview mindset. I, yeah. I I mean I would honestly say me, because I I get so nervous that I'm like I start sweating and then I start panicking and then like <laughs> I almost like black out in times of important like interviews. I'm on like, like I completely black. You just go to another. Like to I'll another walk out of something point. really important and like my friends or someone will ask me like Hey, how'd it go? I'd be like, I think it went okay. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> oh, wow. There you go. All right. Who is most likely to forget where they parked their car? Now, I know we have all had a where's my car experience, especially with UNLV, but who, who has the most of them? 
Apparently, Ballesteros. This one's Ballesteros. Yeah. 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 It's happened to me so many times when, like, I park either at Cottage and I go to Trop, or I park at Trop and I go, have to go all the way back to Cottage. Um, yesterday. Oh, I, man. I promise. Oh, man. And I was super tired after a long day and it was already like seven. For, for reference, <laughs> if people don't know, um, UNLV isn't a big campus, but the two main parking structures that we all park at is Tropicana, or also known as Trop, and then Cottage Grove, also known as Cottage. Um, and they're on opposite sides of campus. Oh, my God. Yeah, the UNLV parking situation is an absolute bear. Uh, if you ever decide to visit our lovely university, um, know that you'll hate it for the first 10 minutes as you're trying to park. But yes. then it gets better. Uh, but parking is a is a I, real I would I would argue issue. UNLV is a little diamond in the rough. I mean, it's it's a uh, I I this was my safety school and my mom my mom was the only reason why I ever end up, ended up applying to the school. Okay. So, but and I love it. All right. Who is most likely to lock themselves out of the house? I'm gonna I'm gonna throw myself under the bus. Yeah, I was this gonna one. say Walbro. I am sure. gonna say 100% me. The amount of times I have left my key in my dorm, um, and then I'm out of my dorm and I'm like driving to PT and I'm like, oh, where's my key? Uh, and then yeah. I have to go and visit the nice people at the desk after PT at like eight in the morning, is insane. Um, so I'm gonna throw myself under the bus in this one. I don't know if any of you guys have any other I was exactly events like that, but I am always always forgetting my dorm key in my dorm for no reason at all that's me with my rebel id yeah that's my rebel id is the key so like i'll just be like <laughs> no, dude it's awful and you're supposed to have your id on you for pt so nice job i'm gonna go up to you randomly next week and just be like hey, I mean, i'm gonna i'm gonna go snitch on you right now snitch <laughs> <laughs> all right snitch <laughs> Who is most likely to spend all their money on something stupid slash like a a project? Like Walbro. who's gonna? Oh. What? Whoa, man! They ain't got you on that one. I figured <laughs> maybe me. I, I no, was gonna say Walbro. Walbro, hundred percent. I am putting money down on that. If if I had the money to buy an airplane, he would. He would. I and would. I would up. not think. For yeah. yeah, I would just straight up. Like family guy would like it, yeah. If you were able to get like one of those like little Cessnas for like I probably like a thousand dollars, you probably would buy it and then do everything in your power to fix that thing so you could go fly your own plane. <laughs> That's very nice. <laughs> That's actually really funny. I was watching a YouTube video last night. This is kind of off topic, but I think it's funny. But this guy, he like he's building his own hangar in like the middle of nowhere, Utah, and he also built his own house and he built like this kit plane. And I was like, man, this guy is like living the life. <laughs> it was really funny. Yeah. All right, let's see. Hmm. Who is the most likely to snore? I know somebody in here is a snore. Captain I think Sledge. this one's Captain. Oh, me Sledge. all day, baby. All day, baby. Don't don't hang I'm out with your sure. heroes, man. I, you I know snore. what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm a I'm a hard worker. You know what I'm saying? When I go to sleep, I, hey man. I think I, it just it like it comes with the dad role in my head. Like any dad that's out there, even if they're not a snorer, <laughs> as soon as they become my dad, they, they, they snore. snore yeah. <laughs> And then it's it's the it's the falling uh falling asleep on the couch in like midday, um with like the head all the way back so that they wake up and they're like oh my neck hurts after like snoring on the couch for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> That's the dad yeah. roll. It's rough. It's rough out there in them streets, man. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, yeah, you you work hard, barely get enough sleep as it is. When you're sleeping, you're you're sleeping. You're sleeping. You're getting. In I'm there. out, man. Where I don't need, need to breathe. I need to sleep. I don't need to breathe. I need to sleep. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? I need my rest. Hurry up. I can breathe later. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see. Who is most likely to sleep through an alarm? I think this one's Ballesteros or General. 
I don't know. Yeah. I'm swing. I have. I, I just want to clear my name yeah. on the air. I have never once missed an alarm my okay, entire life. Right. And, and I can say the same. Yeah, no, I think it would be Walvro. What? Uh, no, me and my alarms, like, I set so many safety alarms. That's, that's the thing. I don't have to set a single safety alarm. As oh, soon as the alarms. first ring of my alarm, I'm awake. I don't know, because, like, the, so when I was when I was down at field training and I was a CTA, I didn't set safety alarms. And, like, like just the pure shock of having to, like, wake up and know that that was the only opportunity I had to wake up got me up. But, like, I like having, like, a nice 10-minute safety alarm, mm-hmm. like, 10 minutes before I'm supposed to wake mm-hmm. up. Yeah, so I'm like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm conscious. I'm going to relax for a few minutes. And yeah. then I get I, up. I yeah. I, I need, like, a little, like, it's not like, oh, this is your alarm. Get up and go. It's like, oh, this is your alarm. Good morning. And then I then I kind of get up and go. But Captain Sledge, what about you? Man, oh, yeah. I, I do have them. I have safety alarms. But for me, if, I, if that, that sun beats me up, I'm I'm already I'm I'm freaking out like I'm usually up around four, uh, four thirty in the morning. Believe it or not, because I got to get. Wait, are you working out that release, sir? Are you getting that Jocko every, workout every day? How I, that's how we roll. All right, there you, know, you go. Yes, sir. You're welcome for my service. All right, so, <laughs> so I get up every day, four thirty because that's the only time I get my PT on. And the reason why I'm always in my uniform during you guys' PT time is because I've already done it. So. Uh, I do my time. I make sure I'm good. And, and then I get I get my kids up in the morning. I got to get them to school and everything else like that, man. If that sun beats me up, oh, we got a problem. Bad we day. are off, man. Bad day. Bad day. And, and you guys will understand when you guys get to that level. But yeah, that's what that's for me. I do have safety alarms. I got like the courtesy one. Cool. Get ready to get up. Like I don't have to respond yes, to this one. The get ready yes, to get sir. up one. This one's the get up one, and this one's like, dude, you're late. Like, get up. Like, <laughs> yes, all right, cool. sir. Yep. All those are before the sun comes up. So what I'm hearing <laughs> is, Cadet Bias Jarvis and I are the responsible one. No, I'm kidding. Oh no, responsible I have, no, thing. I have Forget about your one alarm. Like, she I, has multiple alarms too. For me, I have ever, ever okay. <laughs> it's kind of complicated, but starting 12 a.m., I have like 15 minute alarms until like 6 a.m. because sometimes like my schedule fluctuates and sometimes I would rather sleep in the afternoon compared to at night because I am a night owl and that's where I feel most productive. So it just depends. So sometimes I just like go home, go straight to like clean up, go straight to sleep and then wake up in the middle of the night and start doing my work. And then it just depends to be honest. Well, but, can attest to this. He's yeah. looking at my phone. I, what? How many alarms do I have on my phone? She's got two. She has, sorry, three. There's one for 6 a.m., one for 9 a.m., and one for 9 p.m. You want to know why the 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. is there? It's because I'm taking antibiotics right now. So if it wasn't for the fact that I'm on uh, antibiotics right now, it would be, one, be the one 6 a.m. No, nah, that's ridiculous. I, I literally, I, I, you, okay, so here's I'm a the- really, really side story real quick. Um, My alarm on my iPhone used to be like the birds chirping. Um, and it would wake me up before school in high school. Um, but then when summer hit and the birds outside started chirping, chirp? I yeah. would wake up. So in the summer, because I oh my God. myself, I would be waking up at 4 a.m. in the summer. And it sucked. I, uh, having oh, to untrain God. my brain, I, as soon as I heard birds outside, it was it was over for me. I was up. I have the really, like, the, <laughs> I have that alarm. <laughs> my, my wake up is violent. <laughs> All right, yeah. last question for the day. <laughs> Who is most likely to live the longest? I think this one is going to be Ballesteros or yeah. Captain Sledge. Yeah. I'm I, I definitely, 100%, not me, is definitely 
Not yeah, not me. It's it's probably general or biasteros. No, biasteros. Sure. I uh, I think, it's I, I, think uh, I think we've all seen me come injured into the debt at least once every week at this point. So biasteros for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because biasteros, she brings her nice, healthy, packed lunches every day, and oh I'm like, God. wow, like look. Yeah, at I'm you looking at it right here. now. I'm looking at it right now. It's all healthy. All together, like good for you. I mean, well, I'm just out here like, oh, Pan Express sounds cool, man. Yeah, yeah. Whole steak dinner sounds great. A prosperous life. Hopefully, I reach the age of 100. I just want to see a century. That's cool. That'd be pretty cool. That's cool. I'm cool if I see uh, a healthily 85. I'm cool with that. Hey, y'all, time for me to check out. It's been real. Have you you guys seen those statistics where it's like nowadays, uh, kids that are born today will probably live to be like 115? That's crazy. What? I mean, I believe it. I don't know know how true that is, but I saw something. I don't believe it. I feel like with all the technology, like, there's more cancer. I don't know. They don't be having no kids. That, that'll that'll <laughs> well, reduce your lifespan. I think the idea with that more technology, there's ways to combat minute sicknesses that could potentially like cause you to die earlier, uh, excluding those cancerous types. But yeah, like I saw that. Just, 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 like, blew blew my mind. Yeah, that's crazy. All right, y'all. Well, that's that is it for me this week for Reindeer Games. Uh, I appreciate you guys tagging along with me. So I'll pass it over to Kat General. Go ahead and get us on out of here. All right. Well, this has been a great episode. Um, We were very thankful to have uh, Cadet Thawet and Cadet Gorst out here, our vice and wing commander. Um, Yeah, I think that pretty much touches on it. Great, great uh, segments today. And uh, we'll see you all next week. Captain Sledge, we'll take it over to you for the closing. Got it. I'll take it. Okay, so today, you know, hopefully you've got some knowledge and you're you're good to go on your way. I'm gonna leave you with a, a, a an item that might might trigger some people, but you know, I don't I don't care, right? I, I wanna I wanna send this one out to to everybody out there, everybody, regardless of where you are. If you're listening to this, you need to hear this. Okay. Stop complaining. Okay. Stop complaining. And for those before you get all, you know, bent out of shape, you you all know what complaining is. Complaining is, you know, just barking up a tree and you don't have any solutions. You're just complaining because you don't like how something is going. Stop complaining. Okay. There's a lot to be appreciative for. We're going to talk about appreciation a little bit, but I really want to harp on complaining, right? And I know we have our fair share. Everybody has a fair share. Man, it's hot out here. Sure is hot out here. I got that. We are right. Me, I do it sometimes too, right? Uh, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about processes that you you may or may not understand, right? You might be a part of an organization and you just don't understand why something is. So you just complain about it. You're not. You don't even have the education to figure out why something is happening. You just complain about it, right? So that's what I want to try and and awaken in your your conscious consciousness. That's a word. I want to awaken that and say, make you aware that hey, well, you know, man, I I, sh- I gotta, you know, just be appreciative of what's going on in my life, right? I want you all to really, really focus on not complaining but being solution-based, right? And what's the difference, right? 
complaining is just barking, right? And you don't understand something, you just you just barking at it. You might just be talking to uh, your homeboy, your homegirl, your your fellow airmen, you know, your fellow NCOs or whatever, your fellow cadets, right? It's lateral conversation, right? And you're just talking about something that that you don't agree with. You don't most of the time you don't understand. So that's complaining, right? Being solution based right, is yes, you have a grievance with something. You don't understand why something is going down. However, you don't just talk, you know, you don't talk down to those who are below you about it. You never want to really do that. that that's not ethical and that doesn't make any sense, right? It gets nothing done, right? You don't talk across because, again, the people who are across from you, who are lateral to you, they, they, they can't solve anything either. That's like, a, you know, a cadet talking to another cadet. It doesn't solve anything, right? Unless they're higher ranking, right? The idea is to find the reason why, right? Why are we, why, why are we doing this, right? Instead of just complaining about it, right? Why, why do we do this? Because here's my concept of the idea. Here's, what, here's what's happening to me and here's how I'm feeling about it, right? In addition to your grievance, right? You want to provide some solutions, right? After you get the why, because maybe after you get the why, maybe you still don't agree, right? But if you have some solutions and some outcomes, some possible outcomes, some possible results and some benefits and some pros and cons that will help with the problem, maybe people are able, they will definitely listen to you for sure, but maybe they will take that on and maybe they'll adapt to it. Okay, but there's a possibility as well that they they hear you out and it still might not go through. All right. So with that being said, but at least you have a reason why. So that would mitigate your level of complaining. Right. You were able to get an answer. Now, if you are out there and you cannot get the answer from the first line supervisor, hey, why are we doing this? What's what's the purpose of this, right? Because I have a grievance, right? And I don't want to be a complainer, right? I have a grievance and I don't understand why we're doing what we're doing. What's the purpose behind it? If that first line supervisor does not know why, then you need to go up. You need to keep asking. You need to keep poking at that bear. Why do we do this? right? You keep going. Eventually, somebody knows why we do it. And if we never get to, to that point, then you are more than welcome to say, why, why are we doing this? What's the purpose? If nobody knows why, what is the purpose? Why are we doing this, right? And again, at that point, you're probably talking at the strategic level. Now you're going to offer your solution to those people, right? and say, hey, here are the benefits, or let's not do that. And the benefit is we save time because we don't even know why we're doing this anymore, right? So when you do file your grievance, right, it's not considered complaining because you came with a whole series of asking why, you're trying to get background information on why we do something. You have some solutions to mitigate that or even eliminate the issues that you're having. And then it's gravitating towards making it better for everyone else. You might save time, you might save energy, you might save all kinds of things, which we can't get enough of these days, right? Time and energy, right? We got a lot of things going on in our lives. So if you're able to 
chop some time and chop some energy, you're doing a good thing. You're barking up the right tree. Just make sure you do it properly, right? So you're not seen as a complainer, all right? So I'll give you a, a, a sample, a, a story, right? Um, when I was, I was a young lieutenant, I just put on captain, uh, actually. So uh, one of my mentors is uh, Master Sergeant Panola, right? Um, so she was literally, I'm the flight commander, she's a flight chief, right? And we're at Creech Air Force Base. And she, for the, for the life of her, could not figure out why we were doing something. It was a test because we're in a part of a test squadron. Right, and our job is to test things out. So she, as bold as she is, she's very, very bold, right? She has no problem asking the questions. She's very strong, right? She said, excuse me, uh, Major so-and-so, why do we do this? And the, fir the first person in, her in that line was like, <laughs> they laughed it off and said, I don't know why we do that, right? It, it was just, we always do it. And she literally said, okay, Went to the next person. Hey, Colonel so-and-so, why do we do this, right? We, we do this process and, and I don't see what the, the purpose was. Why did we do this test? Why I don't understand. Like, why do we do it? I, I did what I was supposed to do. My people did what they were supposed to do, but I don't understand the purpose behind it. Why are we doing it? Same thing. We've always done it that way. They kind of laughed it off. And, 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 you know, at this point, she's extremely frustrated. So she says, but... She says, okay. So she goes all the way to the squadron commander and says, Colonel so-and-so, I am trying to figure out for the life of me why we did this test. What was the point? What was, why did we do this, right? What are we trying to send? To, what message are we trying to send to the customer, right? Who are the war fighters in, you know, in, across the world? What message are we trying to send to them? And finally, she got the answer she was looking for. He said, oh, that's easy. The reason why we do this is blank X, Y, and Z so that the customer can hit this button and they're able to execute this mission a lot better. That's why we did this test and that's why the product is out there. Finally, she's a huge relief. She's like, I finally found the answer. I can get behind it completely. The point is Master Sergeant Panola did not complain about it. She just, she was not sure why something was happening. And therefore, she just went ahead and started going up the chain and asking those questions, okay? She wasn't afraid. I need you not to be afraid either. But what I really want for you not to be is a complainer, okay? So there's a lot of ways that you can mitigate that so to make sure that you're not known as that, okay? So with that being said, make sure you keep that in mind. If you're just out there, if you need a vent, okay, we got that, right? but make sure it doesn't turn into the art of complaining, right? Because that's not gonna get anything done. It doesn't solve any problems and you're not gonna get anywhere, all right? So with that being said, trust your higher calling, talk to somebody different than you and always remember that the achievement of your goals requires a little bit of divine energy if you're into that, all right? Family, a lot of hard work and a little bit of chilling, all right? Be safe out there and have a good rest of your week.